All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Yo, yo, yo. It's the Daily Faceoff Show. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, and it's day two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Pretty jam-packed day one, opening night of the playoffs. Four more series kick off on Tuesday night. Mike, what'd you think? How'd it go? Well, we had some surprises. We had some expectations that were and were not met. I thought it was a compelling night of hockey, Frank. How about yourself? Yeah, I like the borderline violence that we saw on a number of different occasions. Some fines handed out on Tuesday morning by the NHL's Department of Player Safety, including a fine for Jared Spurgeon for his cross-check to the back of the legs of Pavel Buchnevich. A lot of people were wondering if that might end up being a suspension. It seems like a suspension is likely for Kyle Clifford for his hit on Ross Colton early in game one against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you look back with that five-minute major and uh, the getting tossed from the game, that ends up essentially, if it is a one-game suspension, amounting to almost two full games for Kyle Clifford. It seems like that's the direction it's going to go. And just some news and notes quickly, Mike, before we get started. The Washington Capitals are expected to have Alex Ovechkin back in the lineup for game one, VTech Vanacek starts, according to Peter Laviolette. And a big one for the Florida Panthers, Mike Aaron Ekblad, healthy and will play in game one for the Florida Panthers. What kind of boost does Ekblad give the Panthers? Uh, in a lot of ways, not just five on five play, but the power play, especially he's been a difference maker from the point. And this isn't a team that exactly needs to have even more firepower, but I think it solidifies the back end for the Panthers. And to me, like, 
Frank, I think Ekblad's been one of the top three, top five D in the league this year. If he would have played the full slate of games, no question in my mind, I think he would have been a top candidate for the Norris. So that is good news for the Florida Panthers. He ended up on my Norris ballot anyway, 57 points in 61 games. I gave him the number five spot. That's how good he was even missing a quarter of the season. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck with that big Toronto Maple Leafs win over the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs at Scotiabank Arena. So, such a weird feeling seeing Toronto with a lively atmosphere for game one. Uh, a 5 nothing result. There were a number of positives for the Toronto Maple Leafs, including Mitch Marner busting his 18-game goalless slump, in addition to the fact that the Leafs were really just in control. They had the bolts on their heels for a large stretch. So my question to you is, just a one nothing series lead or more than that? Is it a statement from the Leafs? It felt like it to me. As I was watching the game, I kept thinking to myself, wow, like, Toronto is bringing this, they're invested, and all the right players made a difference for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think a lot of it, Frank, started with what you touched on early in the show. As soon as I saw Kyle Clifford's hit on Ross Colton, I went, oh, that's a bad hit. Oh, penalty. Where's Toronto going to go from here? And then later on, I started to realize Toronto was really setting the tone, Frank. They played hard. They played in their face against Tampa, and they got them frustrated. And when you look at the best players on the Maple Leafs, listen, this was a this was a Mitch Marner game. His hands were all over it. Breaks that goalless drought, was all over the ice, goal and two assists. He was phenomenal for that team. And they made players like Victor Hedman and Alex Kalorn look pedestrian on the lightning. And that doesn't happen very often. So I, I was impressed with Toronto. I didn't think Vasilevsky was very good. So I think that the Tampa Bay lightning are going to be much better in game two. I'd hope they would be at least from their perspective, but Toronto checked a lot of boxes, Frank. And even at the end, Morgan Riley teeing off on Jan Ruta. I mean, like poor Ruta looked like hangman page in an AEW world championship title bleeding. Like I think Toronto made a big statement, man. I, I that was impressive last night. Yeah, I don't know that we'll see a game like that again from Victor Hedman or Andre Vasilevsky. You think to that David Kampf goal on the breakaway, just Vasilevsky mm -hmm. didn't look quite right. So I'd imagine the Lightning bounce back in game two, but I've been saying this for a while, and that's the reason why I picked the Leafs to win the series. At some point, this run for the Tampa Bay Lightning will end. And at some point, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are they're too good. They will break through eventually. I don't know if it's going to be in this round, if it's going to be this year, but I think when you have that kind of star power, firepower, and also uh, the talent, the sheer talent, I think they're in a spot to to really be you know competitive. And you look at not just this start, Mike, the series, it hasn't been for the Leafs about the start to a series. We know that they can jump out to a lead in the series. It's about closing it out. So let's see how they react in game two when they get a bit of pushback from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers and their somewhat surprising game one loss at the hands of the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, you saw Connor McDavid doing Connor McDavid-like things, going one on five, netting a goal for a highlight reel goal for the Oilers. But when you look at game one, Mike, and you look at the fact that the Edmonton Oilers never had the lead, they were chasing for a large stretch of it, yet the game was there for the taking in the last few minutes up and until Mike Smith made a very costly mistake in net. When you take a look at, at this angle for Mike Smith, you're the goalie expert here, not me. You take a look. 
you take a look at this photo and you see here's the option that Mike Smith had to make an easy play. One of the best puck handlers of all time. Why did he go up the middle? Great question. You know, you can see the outlet pass that's available to Duncan Keith. And then if this picture were to pan out, there was another option on the other side. Bouchard's ready for a pass as well. So I instantly wonder, are the D calling for the puck? But no matter whether they are or not, Mike Smith can't go up the middle here. He's trying to make a home run pass. And even if he gets it up to his forwards outside of the defensive zone, Frank, all it would have been is a two-on-two rush. The risk reward of him going up the middle was not worth it. And guess who takes, guess who picks it off? I mean, right in the middle of the ice, that Dano Iafalo Moore line was phenomenal. They get right on top of it. They can see Smith going there. And even though the puck doesn't go in the net right away, it's a cascade effect. You turn it over, goes to the point, it's in your net. It's a turnover that simply can't happen for Mike Smith. And as you said, he's the best puck handler in the game today. All he needs to do is make 10, 15 foot outlet passes. Give it to the players with the sh- with the long sticks. Let them go up the ice because Edmondson's so skilled at carrying the puck. He just simply overdid it in this scenario, Frank. I'd be surprised if it happens again during the series, but this was a game-changing moment without question and against the wrong line on L.A. That Dano line dominated last night. Uh, their puck retrievals all over the ice, they were phenomenal. So as you said, Edmonton could have easily won this game. L.A. let them back in in the second period with the penalties they took, but Edmonton wasn't able to close it out. Here's my issue with the Oilers, and I mentioned this with Jason Greger on the DFO rundown on Monday, is they found a way the last few playoff rounds to beat themselves. If you're going to hand a team like the L.A. Kings that game one, you know you better clean it up throughout the rest of the series. I think if they're in a spot where they're down 2 nothing to L.A., Heading to L.A., they're in big, big trouble. So a critical game, two for the Oilers coming up on Wednesday night. Let's talk about the St. Louis Blues right in your backyard against the Minnesota Wild. The Blues blanked the Wild in game one, one of three blowouts on the slate. The Blues, the Hurricanes, as well as the Leafs, outscoring their opponents by a 14-1 to margin. David Perron collects the hat trick. And it was really the Ville Who show in net with his start, first playoff start of his career, if I'm not mistaken. And he's solid against the Wild, who really did a great, uh, the Blues did a great job frustrating Kirill Kaprizov uh, really throughout the neutral zone. What's your level of concern for the Wild as they also lose on home ice to kick off their series? Well, it's there because I didn't like the mental approach to the game from the Minnesota Wild, and I question where the leadership was leading into it and throughout. I mean, we've just seen now a fine handed down to Jared Spurgeon for cross-checking Pavel Vuchnevich of the St. Louis Blues and a pretty dirty play, man. And I had Spurgeon on my lady like he's a lady bing pick you know what i mean so i i didn't like that at the end of the game and even from the start jordan greenway takes two unnecessary penalties during the game tyson joe's takes a retaliatory slashing penalty like if you're minnesota where is your head at you're playing against the st louis blues who have a top three power play in the nhl and if you're the wild your kill's terrible their penalty kill has mm-hmm. been awful they gave this game away yes huso was outstanding i don't think mark andre fleury was his best but 4 nothing is not a close game, despite the fact that 5-on-5 five five especially 
Minnesota had this. And I think that it was just strictly from the start of it. Minnesota's head was in the wrong place. They're trying to bully the Blues around and they went overboard with it. And with the exception of Justin Falk pushing back a little bit at the wrong time, I thought St. Louis handled that pressure better, Frank. And this is what you see. Huso was phenomenal. But what a game from Perron. What a game from the power play on St. Louis. Minnesota gave him those opportunities. Yeah, there were a ton of minor penalties called in that game. 18 minor penalties. We'll talk more about the officiating in the Stanley Cup playoffs with Scott Burnside coming up quickly in the All-32. But Mike, how do the Wild get back into this aside from playing a little bit more conservatively in terms of not going to the penalty box? How do they get Kirill Kaprizov going? Like I mentioned, you saw the frustration from Spurgeon. You could sense a little bit of the frustration from Kaprizov who really has the puck on his stick quite often throughout games. Well, they're going to have to do the best to make sure they get the matchups they want. I mean, last night I thought O'Reilly's line on St. Louis was going against Kaprizov so often that he was able to stifle them and he wasn't able to break through. So, um, you know, Kaprizov especially can be a driver when he gets some time on the power play and and St. Louis did a pretty good job of shutting that down. So uh, I think it's going to come down to matchups. And I think that bottom line, man, your best players have to work outwork the other team. And Caprizo is going to have to outwork Ryan O'Reilly, Brandon Saw, David Perron, that line that he saw so often. And that's not an easy task. Yeah, no question about that. We've got four game ones that the puck drops on Tuesday night. We talked about the Washington Capitals at the Florida Panthers. We talked about Nashville. At, we will talk about Nashville at Colorado, Dallas at Calgary, as well as the Pittsburgh Penguins going up against the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Mike, we spent a little bit of time in the preview show talking about the Pens and Rangers. I, I am really interested in this series because for the life of me, I can't understand why in some places the Pittsburgh Penguins enter this series as the favorite. I know what the statistical models say. I know about the Penguins and their experience factor. But look at this particularly. Look at their head-to-head matchup. The Rangers seem to be the far superior team. And I know the knock against the Rangers has been, well, they give up way too much. They're in a spot where they rely on Igor Shesterkin to win them games. They have the best goalie in the league this season. And they're going up against Casey DeSmith, who was actually fine down the stretch, taking over for Tristan Jarry. But can DeSmith do it in the playoffs against a, uh, a Rangers lineup that really is kind of firing all, on all cylinders at the moment? You know, I thought a month ago that the Pittsburgh Penguins were going to sneak their way into another Stanley Cup final because they they were playing fast. They had chemistry. They'd had players out that were suddenly back. And I thought, wow, they're pretty good. Well, you know, then we get to trade deadline and New York loads up. Andrew Kopp has been a game changer, 18 points in 16 games since coming over. Frank Vitrano has been scoring. They've added Tyler Mott, who might be available later in the series, not expected right off the bat. But, you know, Kopp's healthy. He's going to play. Panarin is healthy. He's going to play. And I'm not sure what Pittsburgh's answer is. You know, it looks like Zucker's out of the lineup for now. And that's a big blow for that team. And dismiss career numbers against the Rangers. 886-345 goals against average. He's given up more goals to, on the power play against the Rangers than any other team in the NHL. And for a Rangers team that has as deadly of a power play as they currently have, that's going to be an uphill battle for Casey DeSmith. We're going to learn a lot about him. And I've heard this before that, oh, they rely on goaltending. It's a team that relies on goaltending. You know who also relied on goaltending the last two years? Tampa Bay Lightning. And so did the St. Louis Blues before that. 
Okay, Vasilevsky, incredible playoff series. Bennington, incredible playoff series. You have to have that to win Stanley Cups. And the Rangers were so good down the stretch. They beat Pittsburgh three straight games in the last month and in convincing fashion, Frank. So I've got the Rangers here, I think it's six. And I hope Pittsburgh can put up a good fight. They've got the gel. They've got the chemistry. But I'm not sure that they have the skill set right now to be able to compete with a really stacked Rangers team. Quickly, does the experience factor matter for the Penguins who may be looking at a last dance type of scenario? If they can get through the first couple games, I think even getting back to Pittsburgh, yes, I think it'll matter. The longer the series goes, the more it will play into the Penguins' favor, but they cannot get down right off the bat. If this is a 2 nothing series right, right away in favor of the Rangers, Frank, I think it's lights out for the Penguins. All right, let's go to Raleigh, North Carolina to check in with Scott Burnside for another edition of the All 32. Pleased to welcome back to the Daily Faceoff show our friend and colleague Scott Burnside, who is covering the Carolina Hurricanes' uh, first two games of this series against the Boston Bruins for another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Scott, when you take a look at the way that the Carolina Hurricanes waded through the first couple periods against the Bruins on Monday night, what impressed you about the way that they stuck with their game? Well, and I think that's a great way to put it, Frank. You know, the score does not suggest exactly how close this game was for a long time. And and really, I thought Boston really pushed the pace early. Um, they were the team that forced the Carolina Hurricanes into some uncharacteristic turnovers. Uh, the Hurricanes had difficulty getting the forecheck going, retrieving pucks in the offensive zone, really through most of the first two periods. Um, and, and I think a lot of the credit has to go to Auntie Ronta. Um, you know, we talk about experience, and I know that I was listening to you guys talk about the Rangers and the Penguins. Um, you know, Antti Rant is 32 years old. Game one was his first ever NHL playoff start. And, you know, I, the, the Carolina Hurricanes did look around within their own system what was going to happen before game one. There was discussion about Piotr Kochetkov, who uh, came up. Uh, basically out of nowhere and, and uh, won his first three starts at the end of the regular season. Um, but ultimately, the decision was made to go with Auntie Ranta. Um, and he really um, stood tall when his team wasn't very good through the first two periods. And then the Canes scored two late in the second period to take a 2 nothing lead. Seth Jarvis... Um, you know, I don't think he gets enough recognition probably among the rookie set. Like, I'm not suggesting you should win the Calder, but he's had a terrific rookie season. He's now on an eight-game point streak, deflects home the first goal of the game and really set the stage um, for what would turn out to be a 5-1 victory. You know, Frank, it had, or sorry, uh, Scott, it had really been a goalie's delight up until that first goal that Jarvis deflects yeah. home. I thought Allmark was fantastic in the beginning of the game as well. So uh, plenty of entertaining stuff firsthand that you got to see between Carolina and Boston. And interesting aspect of that game is that there were only six minor penalties called in that game compared to the rest around the league that faced quite a few. And, you know, Scott, you and I have both had some intel on this that, hey, this seems to be what we might see going forward. What have you heard about how the referees have been instructed to call these games in the Stanley Cup playoffs? 
Yeah, you mean when are they going to swallow the whistles? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> At some point they will, but uh, no. It was interesting because you know Frank had reported on this uh, earlier that there had been a conference call um, with the NHL officials, and that the instructions were call the standard. and And Gary Bettman, uh, of course, the NHL commissioner. Um, started his playoff tour here at PNC Arena. Uh, we had a chance to chat with him in the first intermission about a variety of topics. Uh, and one of those, I asked him about the officiating and uh, as he is wont to do quickly, um, had some stats at hand that seemed to bear out that there really isn't the kind of change in officiating in playoffs that uh, the the common narrative outside the game might have you believe. Now, I, I think we all understand that the games do get called differently in the playoffs. The games themselves are different. The series, in fact, you're playing the same team night after night and the coaches adjustments, all those kinds of things means the hockey is different. Um, but, but I thought it was interesting that Gary Bettman um, referred to this conference call, referred to reiterating to the officials call the standard and i thought this game um you know was pretty well called i didn't see a lot of stuff that you were like well i don't know why wouldn't you call that a penalty although I, they did wave off a goal uh that they called uh, a carolina goal early that uh, they said was goaltender interference but there was no penalty i don't get that part but that's not really about playoff officiating um but no it was i i thought the i, I don't think either team had much to complain about vis-a-vis -vis how the game was officiated you know, the Bruins got to worry about finishing if they, you know, if they can't finish uh, in a more, um, you know, timely fashion than they did in game one, it's going to be a problem. But we know that they have the talent to do that. 49 minor penalties called, Scott, on the opening night of the playoffs, 18 in Minnesota, St. Louis, 13 in Tampa and Toronto. So one of the other interesting things that Gary Bettman said in your conversation with him during that first intermission was the idea that referees are not here to be your punching bag either. And I thought it was interesting because we've already seen a number of coaches fine this year, Rod Brindamore there in Carolina being one of them for an outburst uh, with the officials. Seems pretty clear to me that they're going to be watching this pretty closely as the playoffs go on, both in comments that are made publicly and also actions on the bench. Yeah, and I, you know, again, that I, and it was the it was, I didn't ask that question uh, of Gary Bettman. It was uh, asked by uh, one of the local beat reporters because it's it's an issue here in, in Carolina. The whole penalty <clears throat> differential issues, uh, you know, is a, a big story here in Carolina. But also, um, you know, the the sanctions from the league on on some of the things that Rod Brindamore said, and, and and I think they the feeling is that maybe they they were a bit sensitive when it comes to comments made from. Carolina officials. But Gary Batman's point is across the board, basically, whether you're talking on ice officials, whether you're talking uh, fines and penalties vis-a-vis uh, -vis Department of Player Safety, whether you're talking about league decisions, um, <clears throat> you can voice your displeasure as long as it's in the right context. But if you're thinking that you can somehow change the course of a series or plant a seed by complaining about various elements of officiating or supplemental discipline or any of those things, the league's not going to have any of it. And, you know, I, I think the league has sometimes been a bit ultra sensitive to these kinds of things, but I totally get that you don't want things to degenerate during the playoffs into 
uh, you know, complaining and moaning and building in excuses. As Gary Bettman said, the game should be decided on the ice. And they made that very clear in a conference call to uh, GMs and coaches of the 16 playoff teams uh, in the days leading up to game one. Scott, if they could plant a seed, if Rod Brindamore could do that, perhaps uh, that is a fine that Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon would be certainly willing to pay. Uh, so we'll be interesting to see that and how the officiating evolves over the course of the playoffs. I take Gary Bettman at his point in that there has been an uptick in the average of penalties called in the postseason compared to the regular season, but I would argue that I'm going to take a deeper dive that they're probably pretty skewed towards round one and especially the first few nights of round one. And that as you move along rounds two, three, and four, either the players adjust better or in this case, the referees do, as you hinted, swallow their whistle. I'm interested to take a deeper look at that. That is Scott Burnside live from Raleigh, North Carolina. He will be at game two on Wednesday. Enjoy that, Scott. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen, DFODD if you're in Canada. D-F-O-D-D-U-S if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with DoorDash. It's the playoffs, four games a night, every night. You don't want to cook. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. My question to you, there's four games slate tonight. We hit on the matchups. Which team can make it a longer series? Is it the Washington Capitals against the Florida Panthers or the Dallas Stars against the Calgary Flames? I'm not going to give you the option of the Nashville Predators because I don't think anyone thinks that they can make that one a long one. No, I hope for all the Preds fans out there, they prove us wrong, but I agree with you there. I'm actually going to go with Dallas against Calgary. I still think Calgary comes out on top, but to me, when I look at Dallas and the way that they're built, they still have that veteran core leadership that's been there previously to a Stanley Cup final, even adding in Joe Pavelski with a lot of experiences has been important to that club. It's Dallas's depth scoring that's their problem. So I, I think that when you look at the games between Calgary and Dallas this year, all one goal games, I mean, one of them had an empty netter at the end, whatever. Close games. Yes, Calgary won two of the three. But I really believe that they're going to make a series out of this. And I think they're going to grease out at least one or two wins, probably a six game series. Calgary has better goaltending than than Dallas right now. But I think Dallas is competent there. So I think it could be closer. And I think it's really just, like I say, related to that veteran leadership of Dallas and knowing what it takes to get there. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with the caps here. Um, you know, I just look at the Florida Panthers. Yes, they've been an offensive juggernaut. The Caps have some big questions. Can they get some stops from Vitek Vanacek, who starts in game one? But more to the point, Ovechkin was doing Ovechkin-like things to close out the season until his injury. If he can get back on track, that team was totally different for about a four or five-week stretch and really quite dominant from really mid-March to mid-April. The, the 2018 Stanley Cup champs, they're not going to be rattled by anything that happens against the Florida Panthers. But if they can create or plant a seed of doubt in the minds of the Panthers, who, by the way, haven't won a playoff series since 1996, you're looking at a spot where, hey, uh, you know, they need to get going here. They need to make hay and progress in the playoffs. And the Caps, no one's expecting them to do anything. So 
They can hang tough. They can play physical. You need one giant hit, uh, series-changing hit from from Tom Wilson, and all of a sudden it could be really interesting. I think that the Caps could make that a series uh, as we move along. It all depends, though, Mike, on which Caps team shows up. Let's get to our Mm -hmm. daily face-off, daily bet segment. Tyler Remchuk, how'd you do in game ones on Monday night? Uh, Well, Yesterday on the show, I uh, was more talking about the series long bets. Didn't really do anything uh, officially for the first games last night. Uh, Boston to win the series. Cape, that's not looking good. Kucherov to lead the series in goals. Cape, that's not looking good. But I do have the Rangers minus a game and a half and the Flames and Panthers minus a game and a half parlayed. So three games I'll be keeping an eye on tonight. And I'm throwing a little bit more down on the game ones here on a Tuesday. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. Starting with that matchup between the Rangers and Penguins. I really like the Rangers to roll in game one at MSG. I think that building is going to be absolutely rocking tonight. And I like taking them for a full unit in regulation at plus 110. Again, no Jari for the Penguins. And the Rangers were very good in the season series, especially the later games between these two sides. So I like them to win game one in regulation. And I'm going to chase a little bit of a better payout and throw half a unit on them to cover the puck line at minus one and a half. The payout again, plus 185 is just so good. I don't want to miss out on that spot. And I also have a player prop tonight in the Florida Washington game. Claude Giroux to pick up an assist at plus 110. I love this spot. He hit this in four of his last five to close out the regular season. And he even had two multi-assist games in that span as well. He's hit it in 13 of 18 games since joining the Florida Panthers. This plus 110 payout, I just don't think that's a correct line. I think you're getting way too much value here. So I'm all over Giroud to grab an assist at plus 110. And also, Frank, it'll be going up on Points by Canada later today. I think we're going to have a little Saravalli special. Is that correct? Ooh, yeah, a little boost. What are we looking at tonight in terms of the boost, Tyler? I think the boost is going to be something along the lines of a uh, Johnny Goudreau assist combined with a Rangers money line win paying out just over plus 200. So uh, we'll have that up on our socials later on today when it's all posted up at PointsBet. Looking forward to that. Love when we can get some boosted odds for our viewers. Keep it locked on PointsBet Canada as well, especially if you're in Ontario, open up an account, join in on the fun. Lots happening here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mike, that brings us to garbage time. I usually cede the floor to you, but in this case, I wanted to touch and give a little touch on and give a little love to David Perron and really the season that he's had. You see him open up the Stanley Cup playoffs with a hat trick against his former teammate in Marc-Andre Fleury. A special night for Perron to open up uh, the playoffs that way on the road, but also special given his season. You think about uh, some doubt that was created before the season started. David Perron had a fantastic year last year. He's getting a little bit older. Is there any chance that he would regress? I remember having on Rachel Dowery at the beginning of the season on the Daily Faceoff show, and he was one of the three candidates that Dowery had listed as being ripe for regression. And in this case, you look at the way Perron started the season and really the way that he finished it. There's not many players on this Blues roster that you can say were the Blues' best player for two different significant stretches of this season. And you look at his playoffs the last number of years. He wasn't known as a playoff player before going to the Vegas Golden Knights. And since then, he's been pretty money. 38 points in 51 games played over these last four years. And Mike... You look at Perron and how his career has unfolded. Every contract he signed has been with the St. Louis Blues. This is his third tour of duty with the Blues. And yet, 
In this case, David Perron does not have a contract for next season. So it seems like it's about time for the St. Louis Blues to step up and keep a guy like Perron in the fold where clearly they like him. He's been productive and he's been a big part of their team. Why isn't he signed for next year? He's been chronically undervalued, too. He's making four schmill, man. Like, that's a drop in the bucket for a guy that you can guarantee is going to score 25 goals. He's going to get you 20-plus points a year on the power play. I think he's one of the top 50 players in the game. Great fantasy value. I've had him on my team the last two years. I tell you what, man. you got to reward this guy. I, I don't know what the length of the term of the contract would look like, Frank, but he's he's like – he, this guy bleeds blue, man. Like he is a blues player through and through. Like at some point you kind of reward him a little bit. And I understand all three contracts have been signed with the organization. But when we went to training camp with the blues in 2007, he's a first round pick wearing white skates and Andy Murray nearly threw him off the ice. Think of where he's come to now. Really a huge part of St. Louis. And I think that this is the time where you got to lock a guy up like this. Cause he's such a weapon on the power play over time. Like even five on five, that chemistry with Saad and O'Reilly, Frank, he's a huge part of this team. Throw 44, 34 years out, throw 34 years old out the window. He can keep it going. I am convinced of that at least another couple of years in the National Hockey League. Seems like an easy decision. Doug Armstrong, do the right thing. We'll see how that unfolds this summer. We know the cap space is not infinite, but David Perron, a big part of the mix there for the Blues among their nine 20-goal scorers this season. Mike, that's all the time we have for the Daily Faceoff show today. Man, so excited for another four series to kick off on Tuesday night. Day two of the Stanley Cup playoffs will get underway shortly. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. Mike, we'll be back tomorrow, me and you, Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern, to break down everything that happens. Talk to you then. Until then, enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.